It is good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord today. I am really thankful and honored once again to open the word of the Lord with you. Um, we will be um, continuing in our series in, in the book of 1 John. So if you want to be finding that in your copy of the scriptures, you can go ahead and be doing that. We'll be in chapter 5. But I want to begin um, by... Uh, with a couple pictures here. This, uh, if we can get this up on the, the screen, uh, is, a, is a photo of the, of the Grand Canyon right here, which is a, and so I was just really taken aback by this particular, it's like a morning shot when the sun's coming up. If you're unfamiliar, a few facts about the Grand Canyon is it's, of course, in northern Arizona. It's 277 miles long and has an average depth of one mile. It's up to 18 miles wide in some places, but here's the amazing thing. This canyon, as all other canyons, are cut by rivers. Uh, this, this canyon, that's 277 miles long, mile deep, and has this kind of like beauty attached to it, um, comes from uh, erosion from one river, the Colorado River. Uh, a single river cut all of this. Um, this next picture is the picture of the source of that Colorado River. Now, uh, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I, I thought about just saying that it was Mike Booth. Because he kind of had, you can't see it in this. Yeah, there's not too many of us that still have the full head of gray hair. But, um, um, but whoever he is, he's demonstrating the fact, uh, quite sassily, I might add, that... Um, at the beginning of the Colorado River, you can, you can hop across the Colorado with one step. Uh, and yet this is the stream that becomes the river that cuts uh, into the, this ground and creates, if we could go back to that slide of, the, of that canyon, that's where it starts. This goes from that little one-step stream to, to this. Um, today we're talking about testimony. You can just leave that up for a little while, that picture. A testimony, of course, is the statement of a witness, um, a declaration of the facts of what that witness has seen. I think when we think of witnesses giving testimony, obviously, we think of a courtroom setting. We don't think of the Grand Canyon. Uh, but the fact is, the Grand Canyon testifies to something. <laughs> it testifies uh, to something. It stands as a witness to something that has happened to it. It's, it wants to witness about something that it has seen, and by its very existence, without uttering a single word, the Grand Canyon testifies to this universal fact, that water always wins, <laughs> right? Water always wins. Given enough time, water will always win. If you are a homeowner, you know this fact for yourself. Given enough time, water will find its way into your basement. Given enough time, it will make its way through your roof. All the ceiling and roofing and maintenance that we do, it's just a delay in the eyes of water. And water is patient. It's just, it just slows it down a little bit. It knows that sooner or later, it will always win. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a lot of water or a little water or it's moving fast or slow or sooner or later, Water goes where it wants to go and does what it wants to do. And if we ever forget that fact, we can look to the testimony of the Grand Canyon. Water never leaves things the way it found them. Water can make jagged rocks smooth. 
Water can cut underground tunnels through limestone. Water can work its way through concrete slabs. The Grand Canyon testifies that water always leaves its mark. Now, that being said, how many of you in here today would be willing to testify that if you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, he will leave a mark on you. He will leave a mark on you. That is the way it's supposed to be. You're not meant to walk away from an encounter with the divine unchanged. Your personal landscape should be carved up in some kind of way. Your life should stand as a living testimony, whether you speak or not. Declaring the truth that Jesus is real. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus is moving. Jesus is transforming us. Jesus is reviving us, redeeming us. Jesus always wins. Often when we think of testimony, we think of speaking, we think of talking, we think of being a witness, and that is doing the act of witnessing, going and telling, and it certainly is that. But testimony is not limited to what you say. It is also who you are. I think when the Bible, when Jesus says uh, in the scriptures, when the people are, are, are calling out Hosanna and the religious leaders tell him, tell your people to stop. He says, if I tell them to stop, the very rocks will cry out in praise. I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, but we're meant to understand that Jesus means that if these people will shut their mouths, the rocks will grow mouths and open them, and they will speak. I think that he understands that the rocks already testify. The way they are shaped, the way they are formed, where they stand, their geological makeup, the minerals that run through them, they are all a result of God's creative power working through centuries on their existence. And as a result, they don't have to say a word to provide testimony. They just have to be. And the difference between those rocks and us, and I think this is what Jesus was getting at, is that the rocks cooperate with God in that process. They are happy to be shaped by his design. The text today has to do with testimony. More specifically, it has to do with the testimony of three witnesses that we're going to talk about today. Three witnesses, the witness of water, blood, and the Spirit. And as we return now to the book of 1 John, and if you are already on chapter 5, you'll see in just a moment that these three witnesses provide a testimony. They provide a testimony that... um, that Jesus is real. They provide a testimony uh, that, that God makes about who Jesus is. What we were going to see is that the very witnesses, that these three witnesses that testify to Christ also leave marks on the followers of Christ. They change the landscape of our, of our lives. The water, the blood, the spirit. They transform us. They cut through our limestone. They cut through our hard places. They smooth out rough edges. And they make us into living testimonies so that the world can keep seeing Jesus when they look at us. And with that said, uh, if you would open up to 1 John chapter 5, I'll be reading from verses 6 through 12. 
If you're willing and able, would you stand with me as I read from the Word of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe uh, God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As I mentioned earlier, in this reading, John refers to three witnesses that testify to the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. Three things that prove that he is who he says he is. Uh, three witnesses are these. First of all, that he, uh, that he came to us, did you see this in verse 6, by water. That, that, that's the first of three witnesses, that the water, that Jesus came to us by water. But not only by water, but also by blood. Not by water only, but also of blood. These are the first two of three witnesses, water, blood, and then the third witness is the presence of the Holy Spirit himself. Verse 7 says, for these three, there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. If these three witnesses were to appear in court, John is saying, their testimony of each would agree. If the detective got one in one examining room and another in another and the third in another, they would all have the same story. They all agree. John is making reference here to the book of Deuteronomy where it states many times as it does in chapter 19, uh, one witness is not enough to convict anyone, it says in Deuteronomy. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so John is saying, look, there's more than enough witness testimony here to convict Jesus of being exactly who he says he is. But there's something unusual about this testimony. It's water and blood and spirit. Those aren't necessarily the ones that, you know, like Ravi Zacharias and people like that kind of reach for when they go on college campuses to debate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's the water. But there's also the blood and the spirit, right? They're unusual. It's not the kind of case for Christ, you know, God is not dead kind of stuff. Uh, but if we read on to verse 9, we see that John is not really concerned that much with testimony of human beings, does he? He says, what, what, what does he say? We accept human testimony. That's it. <laughs> That's all he says about that. And then he says, and then what does he say? But God's testimony is what we're concerned about. He's concerned with the testimony of God. Just look at verse 9. God's testimony is greater. Why? Well, because it's the testimony of God. <laughs> Pretty straightforward also. All right? I do kind of wonder if that's John making a, a, a joke. And I was like, why, why is the testimony of God greater? Because he's God. So when John is speaking the testimony, 
of the testimony of water, blood, and spirit, he is referring to the testimony, listen now, that God himself speaks, that God is the, is the testifier, right? He is providing this testimony concerning the validity of the claims of his son, Jesus. And according to John, there are only two ways to deal with this testimony. Did you see this? You either accept it or you reject it. There is no middle ground in John's view. There is no agnosticism on this point. He is saying that God has testified to the world concerning Jesus Christ and has provided these three proofs and all of those proofs in a unified message. So the question before you today, the question before me today from God's perspective is this. Will you receive God's testimony? Will you believe God's testimony? Or as it says in verse 10, did you see this? Will you call God a liar? See, this isn't just a matter, and, I, and, and I'm trying to be as plain as with the text as I can about this, of us kind of saying, hey, to each their own, right? This is a matter where we have to hear what God has said, and we either have to say, yes, you're telling the truth, or no, God, you're telling a lie. You're a liar. So, um, boy, that's kind of, that's rough. Uh, so the question, that's the question before us. The stakes are pretty high here. And in that case, because of that high stakes, we better have a good understanding of these three witnesses, right? So let's, we're going to look at each of them. If you're taking notes, you might leave some space between them as we list them out, but here they all are. These are the three witnesses. If you hadn't caught it already, water, blood, spirit, leave some space. We'll be talking about each one of these three. Let me give you a nutshell interpretation first about why these three words are used, and then we'll unpack each one of them in more depth. The longest standing and widest held interpretation of what the water and the blood and the spirit mean was established way back in the second century, first of all, by the church father Tertullian. And that testimony, uh, he would say and others after him, that is this, that God makes about, you know, the, the testimony that God makes about Jesus comes to us through his baptism. That's what the water represents, the baptism of Jesus, his death on the cross. That's what the blood represents and the coming of the spirit following his ascension which of course is the spirit reference. That is to say that at his baptism, the identity of Jesus is declared. God says something into the world about who Jesus is at his baptism. His commission is identified and he is empowered in the spirit to carry out that commission. At his death on the cross, we see that that commission is carried out. It is finished. It is completed. Amen. After his ascension, his followers receive, after, of course, his, his uh, glorious uh, uh, resurrection, but then on to his ascension, the followers received at Pentecost the same commission and the very same power that Jesus received at his baptism because they are filled with the very same spirit. That's the nutshell version. What God has to say about who Jesus is, he said at his baptism, he said it is crucifixion, his resurrection, and then his subsequent ascension. And that testimony all leads to one truth. And that truth is laid out for us very plainly in verse 11 of 1 John chapter 5. This is the testimony. I love it when the Bible just tells you. You don't have to do any fancy footwork. This is the testimony. The three witnesses, this is what they testify to. Okay, God has given us a gift of eternal life. 
and that life is in his son. There is a decision to make. There is a decision to make. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the decision before you and I. Receive the testimony of God and receive life. Or reject the testimony of God and reject life. That's what stands before us today. There may be some of you here that have never really had that decision put to you before or put that way. I pray that, that you will choose life today. I pray that I am, literally have prayed that the words of my mouth would be such that you would be moved to choose life today. That's my prayer. And I would ask all those saints that are in the room to pray with me as we go through this to that end. Should that happen, I want you to understand something. You will be changed. You will be marked. The flat earth of northern Arizona will not remain flat. It will be cut up. But as you saw in that picture, it will render something beautiful. You will be changed. You will be marked for life. You won't be marked for death. You'll be marked for life. For those of you who feel you have already made that decision to receive the testimony of God concerning his son, I want to, this to be an opportunity for you to examine your life today and how it is marked, how it is cut up, how has the landscape been pushed and moved around. I want you to examine your life today. Does it bear the marks of life? Can the testimony of God be seen in the testimony of your life? So let's reflect one at a time on these, just to get this down deep. Let's reflect first on the testimony of water for a moment. And for that, turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 1, the gospel of Mark chapter 1. We'll be coming back to 1 John, Mark chapter 1. And let's read verses 9 through 11. And this is a rendering of the baptism of Jesus. Remember, we said that the water represents the baptism of Jesus, that God made a testimony, his testimony about who his son was through, first of all, the water of baptism. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And that is the word in the Greek, torn, ripped, open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So what is the testimony of God here concerning Jesus in this event? What does God say about Jesus and his identity in this passage? Anybody want to say something? What does he say? You're my son. That's exactly right. You are my son. You are not an orphan. I claim you as my own. In this public setting, with a voice that can be heard, I testify that you are mine and I am yours. But God doesn't stop with a mere identification of Jesus as his son. He also declares of how he feels about his son, in which he says what? I am well pleased. We've talked about this before. This comes at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. In fact, it precedes his ministry. 
God isn't declaring his pleasure in Jesus' performance, but his pleasure in Jesus' character, his being. The Father is pleased with Jesus, not because of what he has done, but because of who he is. This is the testimony of God concerning Jesus. This is the testimony of the water. As he was coming up out of the water, the heavens were torn open. There is an open heaven, brothers and sisters. I wish we could talk more about that today. And the dove descended upon him and remained. And a voice said, you are my son, you are my son. And with you I am well pleased. This is the testimony of God concerning Jesus. Do you believe this? Do you receive this testimony from God? Or do you call God a liar today? If you receive this testimony, then understand, we're not just saying, did this happen in history? We need to understand that that's true. We need to say, I believe this happened in history, but we need to go way beyond that and understand that if we receive this testimony, it will leave a mark on us. Because if you believe God's testimony about Jesus, then you must believe his testimony concerning all those who will be found in Christ. Galatians 4, 4, uh, 4 declares this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child if you are in Christ. <clears throat> this means, Christian, that what God spoke at Jesus' baptism, he spoke to you at yours. Let me just take from the sippy cup. <clears throat> yeah, that's a testimony of the water. <clears throat> uh, so here's what he spoke to you at your baptism. You are my son. You are my daughter. And with you, I am well pleased. Ask yourself, does your life bear the mark of this truth? Are you living in this world as a son or daughter of the most high God of whom we sang? Do you receive the testimony of God that he is pleased with you? Not because of what you have done for him, but because of who you are in him. Does your life bear witness to your new family name? Are you marked by life? Have you received the robe and the ring from your father? Or are you still trying to wear your slave clothes? Are you still trying to talk like you used to talk and walk like you used to walk? Blend in with everybody else. Or have you come through the water? Have you been baptized with Christ and raised with him to walk in newness of life? Is your life a living testimony to the world around you about what God has declared to you in Jesus' name? That you are his son, you are his daughter, and with you he is well pleased. Don't say yes with your mouth. And then with your life, call God a liar. Don't say, I am your son with your mouth, and then say, I'm a slave with your life. Resolve in your heart today 
Don't leave out of here. Resolve in your heart today to receive the marks of life, the marks of adoption as son, as a daughter with whom God is well pleased. That's the testimony of the water. It has to change you. If you receive it, it will change you. It will mark you up. That is the testimony of water. But let's talk now about the testimony of the blood. And I grew up singing a song, many songs. I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the blood hymns. And there will be many to pick from today. But the one that comes to mind is this. There is power. Power. Y'all hear me? Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. The testimony of God concerning Jesus is that his blood is sufficient to atone once and for all for the sins, for your sins, for all your sins, for the sins that were and those sins that were to come, because we perceive that in sense of time, but God stands outside of time. And so even though in the old covenant people had to re-up, they had to have more blood when they had more sins. Hebrews declares that once and for all, there came a sacrifice that was greater, the Lamb of God who was slain. And his blood is sufficient to atone, to set you at oneness with your God, to set things right between you and God once and for all. Listen to the testimony of God concerning the blood of Christ in Romans 5. We have now been justified by his blood, saved from God's righteous wrath through him, through his blood. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death, through the blood of his son. Amen. Ephesians 1.7 testifies that in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, there is power. Wonder-working power. Hebrews 9.14, the blood of Christ cleanses our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve God. I'm going to talk about that one again. Let me just say that. The blood of Christ cleanses our consciousness from all the acts that lead to death. You feel bad about something you did today? Can you bring something to mind? The blood of Christ cleanses your conscience. Why? So that we may serve the living God in freedom. Y'all hearing me? This is the testimony of God concerning Jesus. Jesus is the one that has come to us, not only through the water, but through the blood. Are you marked by this testimony of the blood? Let me say it like the old saints would say it. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? The testimony of God is that we are cleansed of our guilt by the blood of the Lamb. It is the testimony of God that the it is more than just being forgiven, y'all. It is the power of sin broken in your life by the blood of the Lamb. That is the testimony of Hebrews 9. The blood of Christ cleanses our consciousness. Its power over you is broken. The devil can't tell you, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember? You're that fornicator. You're that adulterer. You're that, uh, uh, you're that, you're that addict. You're that liar. 
That's who you are. See, the blood makes it possible for you to receive the testimony of the water where Jesus says, you are, no, you are my son, you are my daughter. You are not what the enemy calls you. You belong to me. And I paid for your cleanliness with my own blood. I took your sin upon me. That's the testimony of the blood. Because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus took on the marks of death, you are marked for life. You no longer have to be marked for death. You can be marked for life. Your conscience can be clean of all the acts that you've committed that lead to death. You are cleansed, not just so you'll feel better, not just, whoo, oh, man, I'm glad that's taken care of. It's so that you can be free to serve the living God and live righteously. So you're free not to sin like that anymore. You're free to live right. That's what it means to be marked by the blood. You become a servant of the living God. This is what it looks like for the testimony of the blood to be applied to your life. I heard a story this week of an evangelist um, that uh, told once of being in a, a debate, like I was talking about earlier, with an, with an atheist friend who really had a problem with all this blood language, you know, in the Bible, all the talk of, of, of blood. He says, I don't believe the blood has any power. The blood of Jesus was spilled over 2,000 years ago, and all things have ha- that, everything that's happened since then says that the world's just gotten worse. The blood doesn't have any power. The blood of Jesus doesn't have any power. Evangelist says, I hear you. We have had the, Jesus, you know, the blood of Jesus for a long time, and there still is a lot of sinners, a lot of sin, a lot of oppression in this world. But we've also had soap in the world for a long time. And there's still a lot of dirty people out there. And, you know, there's a funny thing about soap. You can buy soap at the store. You can have soap in your house. You can work at a soap factory. You can know everything there is to know about soap and research it on the Internet. But until you reach out your hand and take a hold of that soap and apply it, you're gonna be dirty and stinky. Let me just add stinky to the dirty. It is the same with the blood of Christ. There are many who live in proximity to the blood. There are many who know all kinds of things about the blood. There are many who teach about the blood. There are many who preach about the blood. There are maybe some who work in a a factory. I didn't want to say blood factory, it was just getting weird. Okay? And make their living talking about the blood. But that doesn't mean they've reached out their hand, taken hold, and applied the blood to their life. Until you reach out your hand and apply the blood. You cannot walk in its power. It's not enough to know the blood of Christ. Now hear me all the way through this. You have to know the blood of Christ. So Philippians 3.10 says it this way. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I don't want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, and here's what he means. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to do what? Does anybody know this? To take hold. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, granted, we don't love God except that he loved us. He saved us first. We didn't come to him first. But listen to what is being said here. This is how it, this is how it interacts with your life. Jesus Christ has taken hold of you, and you're going to have to take hold of that by which he took hold of you. He's expecting you to reach your hand out and apply the blood. I don't know how else to say that. Do you believe the testimony? Do you receive the testimony of God concerning the blood of his son? If you do, you will be marked by it as it is applied to your life. It will cut into your landscape and it will make something new out of you. You will be changed and you will by that become a testimony. Now, I want to close by talking about the third of these three witnesses, the testimony of the Spirit. To set the stage for this, I'd like for us to turn to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and look at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking around and said, look, the Lamb of God, there's the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. He became a witness of something that had been given him to see. And he said this, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Okay. Now let's talk about this. In the Old Covenant, the Spirit does come down but it does not remain. It comes for a time. It comes for a season. It comes upon people in order to accomplish something, in order to do something specific, but it does not remain. But John was given sight to see that there would come one upon whom the Spirit would fall and would remain. And that one would baptize others in the Holy Spirit. Baptize. Now, I have been in the um, Atlantic, no, Pacific Ocean one time. California. That's not like the Gulf of Mexico. 
I don't know if you knew that. Gulf of Mexico is kind of like a toilet bowl. It's just kind of water, you know, swirling around. Got some little waves in there. I'm not saying it's not dangerous or nothing. You got to be careful. But it's not like the Pacific Ocean. And I've, re- I've only had two times I thought I was really going to die. One was the hot dog got stuck in my throat. <laughs> That's a less inspiring story. <laughs> right? right? I'll just keep that one in my pocket for a later date. Have you ever had a hot dog stuck in your throat? They're the same size as a throat. Come on. <laughs> Who thought of that? Let's make something that's the same size as your throat. <laughs> okay. The other time, <laughs> I was in the Pacific Ocean, you know. And I'm totally in standing water. And then a wave comes, and I don't know up from down, left from right. I cannot, I don't know where the bottom is. I don't know where the top is. I can't see how far it is up. I'm just moving my arms and legs, hoping I come out somewhere. I was a rag doll, you know, baptized in the spirit, you know, kind of sounds like that to me, engulfed. Surrounded, right? Surrounded. Now, I, I, this is the point where I have, I, I don't have, in, I've stopped. I said I'm not going to write any more notes because this is what I am going, this is what I'm working through right now. And I want to speak to you from my heart, and I want us to work through this together. Because I believe that at my conversion, and my baptism, I believe the baptisms here are, are put together for a reason. We do receive the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ. And he is in us. And I have seen evidence of him in me. But I, I, I got I to gotta say, if, if you're baptized in the Spirit, that just marks you in a different way. Different things happen with your life. It's less in your control. It's less... Um, on a chain, it's less, you know, um, something that's under me. It's around me, you know. I'm in it. It's doing its thing. And so I have this sense that not once, not twice, not just one time and it's over with, that we need to approach Jesus just as those approached John that said they wanted to be baptized in water. And he said, Cool, but look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, you need to go to him and be baptized in the Spirit and in fire. And even though we have received the Spirit, we need to go to Jesus regularly. This is my sense. And say, baptize me. Baptize me in the Spirit. There isn't just one special event, I don't think. Where it's like, oh, that's the real stuff. And now you're in the real, the, you know what I'm talking about? Now you're really, really good and saved. I just think this needs to be the desire of our hearts. To be marked by the testimony of the Spirit. To be different in the Spirit than we were before. To be controlled by the Spirit. To hear the voice of God in the Spirit. 
to not go through our life and make our plans and then ask God to bless them, but to be guided by the Spirit because we're immersed in the Spirit. That's not something that we do. That's something that Jesus does. He is the one that comes after me, says John, because he was before me. And he is the one that doesn't just baptize in water. He baptizes in the Spirit. So I've been in prayer this morning. The worship team has been in prayer this morning. That the Spirit would fall on us. That we would be willing to go to Jesus this morning and say, baptize me in the Spirit, Lord. See, I want to be, I don't want to just believe the testimony of the water. I want to be marked by it. I want to live my life as one who is a son of God and with whom God is well pleased because I spent a lot of my life thinking I should have known better, living in a lot of shame, and I know a lot of you have too. So I need that to mark my life. I need to lift my head, right? But I also need to live according to the testimony of the blood. I need to be marked by the testimony of the blood. And that marking of the testimony of the blood doesn't mean, hey, great, I'm out of, I'm, get out of hell, free pass, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to feel bad about all that sorry stuff I've done before. And if I do something bad again, I just ask forgiveness and it's, that's over too. It's that my conscience is cleaned by the blood of Christ so that I may become a servant of God. That I might do as Jesus said and go and sin no more. So I want to be marked by the testimony of the water so that I can be a testimony to those who are in shame. I want to be marked by the testimony of the blood so I can be marked to those who are living under guilt that there's freedom for you. And I want to be marked by the testimony of the Spirit so that I am not just, I have the Spirit in me at my beck and call when I want it, but I am at the Spirit's beck and call. The Spirit just isn't in me. I'm in the Spirit. Does that make sense? You see the difference here? I don't have all the answers to this. And I, so I've been praying for my Spirit to communicate, the Spirit of Christ in me to communicate with the Spirit of Christ in you. And whatever baggage you bring to this moment, maybe you come from a background where there's been some uh, um, abuses in talking about this, and you're, you don't want to mess with that baptism in the spirit stuff anymore and a man in the moon because you saw some bad stuff happen. I'm asking you to just let the spirit of Christ in you communicate with the spirit of Christ in me. Let the spirit, let our spirits be in an alignment here. Let them be in agreement today. Let your testimony be in agreement with mine. Some of the others of you may have come from that background like I did, that if anybody ever called out, if anybody ever shouted in the Lord, for that matter, if somebody, if there was silence and somebody, it was just like, well, somebody forgot something. You know, we, we, we don't know what to do if the spirit were to fall on somebody, if the spirit were to baptize somebody. We feel so awkward. We feel so uh, um, not sure what to do. And so we'd rather just keep it all inside where it's nice and tidy. I'm asking you to just open up a little bit, open up and let the, the Jesus in you agree with the Jesus in me. That we want the same thing, right? We don't want to contain the Spirit in us. We want us to be contained in the Spirit. That's how we get marked by the testimony of the Spirit. That's how our landscape gets cut up, and that's how we can be a beautiful testimony to the world of something we have seen. 
I'm praying for us to see something together in the spirit. So I'm asking for willingness on your part. I'm asking, let me get the musicians to come forward and let me get all of us that remain in the seats. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, Lord Jesus, you know, let's do something with your body. Stand up if you just, if that's more comfortable, if you want to get on your knees, if you want to stay in your chair, I don't care. Close your eyes, do something with your hands, reach out to the Lord. This is not something that we need to worry. I know some people are worried about showing out at church and trying to act like they're more spiritual than they are. I know other people are concerned and worried um, that they're going to they're gonna holler and all these Baptists are going to get bent out of shape. I want us to be free of those things for a moment. Y'all, we're family here. We're all friends here. You are loved here. Are you, do you hear me? If you're a visitor here today, you are loved here. You are received here. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. So I want you to just reach out. Do something with your hands. Do something with your knees. Do something with your body. Stand up, sit down, do what you need to do. But just be open a little bit here. Be open a little bit here. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. You have been faithful by your spirit in us. You have guided us, but we, Lord, we have sought control. We've sought to mark you instead of letting you mark us. We've, set, we've sought to contain you in us and not be contained by you. So God, we need to come right now, and I'm just asking that your presence would fall, your presence would be here among us that we would be fully aware of the testimony of the water. Lord, I just pray against shame in everybody's life in here. Anybody who feels like they cannot raise their face before God. Lord, I pray that they would come down and let us pray over them, that they would receive and hear that the heavens would be ripped up above them and they would hear the voice of the Lord say, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I am well pleased with you. If there's anyone here that is racked with guilt over something, Lord, I pray that they would receive the testimony of the blood that cleanses them from all sin. Saints, would you pray with me? If you don't need something from the Lord right now, then somebody around you does. Would you stand up and be a prayer warrior and put your hands out and pray, 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 pray because there's somebody that needs to be set free from guilt in here. There's somebody that needs to be set free from shame in here. And we find that in the arms of Jesus. And he gives us the spirit so that we can rest in him. When you are floating around, when I was floating around in that water, there came a point when I couldn't do anything but rest. I realized there was nothing to be done but rest. I wonder, is there anybody fighting God in here today? Is there anybody fighting God in here today? Is there anybody struggling, trying to get out the top or find their feet on the bottom? Anything but just resting in the spirit. Is there anybody like that today? I'm going to ask you if that's somebody like that today, come on down here. Come on down here to the front. Bend your knee at the altar. If there's somebody that's struggling with shame today, come on down here. Come on down here to the altar. If there's somebody that's struggling with guilt today and they need to know that they're forgiven, come on down here. Come on down here. Come on down here. Come on down here. 
There is forgiveness. There is, there is cleanliness. There is righteousness. There is life. I don't want you to go around marked by death anymore. Lord, I don't want to go around carrying around in my slave clothes. I want to be marked by the water, marked by the blood, marked by the Spirit. Is there anybody? Because this is what these three testify to, is that Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. Does anybody need to call out the name of Jesus today for the first time or for the thousandth time? I want you to come down here and call out his name. I want you to come down here and pray aloud. Call out his name. He is faithful and just to save. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's remain here in a spirit of prayer right now. And let's, we're going to sing just a little bit. And after that first verse and that first chorus, we will pause. And we will, when the time is right, we'll take of the Lord's Supper to remind us that we can take Jesus into us. But I want you to be, I want you to, I want you to just be free right now to come forward and pray aloud. The band will be praying. You can call out. You can cry out. This is your family. If you can't be yourself here, where can you be? Don't be held back. Don't be held back. Don't be held back. Sing in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Jesus baptizes. Baptizes. Baptizes in your Spirit. 